two, sir, with a grenade. Quote, mutiny is the conscience of war, unquote. This was common graffiti by soldiers in the trenches of World War I. Our future isn't over, and for many of us, the present hasn't even begun. If we accept only the official histories of high school textbooks, we have no reason to treat the past as anything but yet another dead hand that weighs us down. But history can be a living cultural memory that can be remembered and re, sorry, re-remembered and re-experienced. We can challenge it on new fronts, and when it is no longer needed, abandon it. What kind of histories can anarchists look for? Well, they can hide in the strangest of places. History is nothing more than the sum of the collective experiences of the world, and we are just as much part of it as anything in a history book. If we can uncover the voices bulldozed by official histories, reading behind and between the lines of the official text, we can discover together a history worth remembering. Our local research squad has uncovered a history of resistance found in the most authoritarian and unexpected of all environments, the military. Quote, mutiny, verb, rebellion against lawful authority, unquote. Webster's Dictionary. The history of mutiny is a history of conscious rebellion against military hierarchy. The study of mutiny is far more instructive than the study of the tired imperial victories of states and their murderous armies. Since the first documented mutinies against Julius Caesar by Gallic conscripts over 2,000 years ago, mutineers have played an important role in checking the absolutist and militaristic dreams of would-be emperors. Mutinies have occurred in every major war on the continent. There is an undeniable thread connecting mutineers throughout history to our modern-day struggles, a rejection of totalitarian authority and a fierce demand for freedom. Mutinies aren't merely random acts of disgruntled soldiers. Mutinies are political uprisings. These range from the rejection of British cultural imperialism by Muslims in the Sepoy Mutiny, black soldiers fighting against their racist superiors on the USS Chicago, the unpaid immigrants that rose up against the Union during the U.S. Civil War, anarchist sailors rejecting communist tyranny during the famous Kronstadt Uprising, to the burning of barracks by maltreated soldiers in the Papua mutinies of 1999 and 2002. Free for all. Discipline is the soul of an army. George Washington. Most writings on mutinies come from official military reports and tribunal transcripts. Despite these biased reports, the authorities cannot deny or erase what mutinies have for so long kept, kept, why mutinies have for so long kept generals from getting a restful sleep. The Vietnam conflict was marked by full-scale mutinies against the U.S. military. When an American soldier in Vietnam killed a superior officer, the term fragging came into use. Although the term simply meant that, the fragment, that a fragmentation grenade was used in the murder, it later became an all-encompassing term for such actions. Hundreds or thousands of, quote, fraggings occurred di- during Vietnam, but the precise number is uncertain. Dr. Terry Anderson of Texas A&M University wrote, quote, The U.S. Army itself does not know exactly how many officers were murdered, but they know at least 600 were murdered, and then they have another 1,400 that died mysteriously. Consequently, by early 1970, the army was at war not with the enemy, but with itself. 
unquote. Many pacifists would argue in favor of staying out of the military, but activists with the courage to spread their ideas in the ranks and the courage to pull a, put a bullet in an officer's head could potentially be as effective as yet another peace demonstration in Washington, D.C. Diversity of tactics, indeed. Vietnam mut- mutineers were more sophisticated than their ancestors in both their use of media and non-hierarchical structures to ferment mutiny. At best count, there were at least 144 underground newspapers published on or aimed at U.S. military bases in this country and overseas. These journals were not mere grape sheets that poked fun in the, quote, Beetle Bailey tradition against the brands, but intelligent and passionate calls for resistance. Quote, in Vietnam, writes the Fort Lewis McCord Free Press, lifers, the brass, are the true enemy, not the Viet Cong, unquote. Another West Coast sheet advises readers, quote, don't desert, go to Vietnam and kill your commanding officer, unquote. They even developed proto-info shops right on military bases in the U.S. and abroad. By 1971, there were at least 11, some military researchers suggest as many as 26, on-base anti-war, quote, coffee houses, which supplied GIs with rock music, cheap coffee, anti-war literature, how-to tips on desertion, and similar disruptive councils, while serving to organize deeper resistance inside the armed forces. All of this agitation and organization led not only to newspapers, info shops, and frequent fragging of officers, but also to the serious crippling of the U.S.'s ability to wage war in Vietnam. In 1970, the Army had 65,643 deserters, or roughly the equivalent of four infantry divisions, and a yearly increase of 12% in the desertion refusal rate, DRR. Despite having some of the most repressive laws, liberal use of executions, and a 230% increase in the number of military police officers, the United States Army was initially helpless to stop the spreading mutiny in its ranks. In addition to mass desertions and specific fraggings, soldiers used sabotage to disrupt the military. One famous case involves sailors who damaged an aircraft carrier so badly by pouring salt water into the computers, removing nuts from bolts, and even flooding the ballast holds that had to be scuttled before leaving San Francisco. To stop a full-scale insurrection, the Department of Defense, Intelligence, and Propaganda Divisions stepped in front of, stepped in during the summer of 1971 with their new, quote, cultural front. They made officers grow sideburns, started teaching classes on current pop music, produced slick, glossy, quote, counterculture zines, and opened up patriot clubs that not only served cheap coffee and alcohol, but also specialized in heroin. The army in Vietnam, once a fertile bed of resistance against military authority, was re-domesticated through numbing drugs and so-called alternative culture. The mutineers lost their momentum, and the war ended with a drop in DRR rates, fewer fraggings, and less military sabotage. The military had learned its lesson. Today, the U.S. relies on an all-volunteer army, superior technology, and foreign allies that are easily coerced and don't have to come home in body bags to American mothers. 
The military learned culture was a stronger tool than firing squads. Just as the army learns from its mistakes, the must anarchists, who would dismantle the military once and for all. Rand Corp, one of the more intelligent neurons of the modern dinosaur brain, suggests that the inherent strength in the modern day, of the modern-day mutiny undoubtedly lies, quote, in the strength of a decentralized model. Mutineers, leaderless, and without any tangible gains other than venting a deep resentment, are especially immune to traditional control structures, unquote. The report, based on recent mutinies in the Georgia Republic and mutinies in Russia's failed invasion of Afghanistan, goes on to say that mutineers are immune to traditional patriotic propaganda and calls for civil service. The report suggests that mutineers may also, quote, infect civilian populations with, quote, fake bravery and the, quote, underdog principle, leading to substantial challenges to other non-military forms of authority, unquote. Rand goes on to suggest initiatives like the 1971 DOD, quote, cultural front may need to be extended to quote, recruiting bases in civilian communities where proper discipline can be managed before the recruit ever signs the papers in the neighborhood recruiting office, unquote. What the RAND report misses is that mutineers are really no different than civilian populations. They are mostly conscripts, people of color and the poor. These are the people deemed most expendable by the power elite. All mutinies have been about survival and justice, and this resonates with all of those who have felt the brunt of oppression, regardless of their particular role in the military machine. Mutiny is not revolution. It is an act or a series of acts that takes direct action against oppression in order to get rid of that captain. For non-soldiers, any form of lawful authority could be considered the captain, whether it is a pig, foul teacher, or your domineering boss. Unlike the image of the glorious revolution, mutinies take place in the immediate environment on a small scale without too much regard for what happens after the mutiny. In places where oppression is overwhelming, such as the battlefield, mutineers are often opportunistic or spontaneous without any specific political motivation other than the most important one, survival. These revolts are, anarchists by, are anarchistic by nature. They reject authority in the most visceral and concrete way. Mutinies are micro-environments where people reject the rules, reject appointed leaders, and anyone else who has taken control. One vital difference between ordinary folks and the mutineers is that mutineers are a highly armed force serving as the linchpin of state power. If it can take place in one of the most important sanctuaries of the state, then it can take place anywhere. If we take diversity of tactics seriously, the next time the state starts a war, besides holding a peace sign or a teach-in, we must contemplate joining the army. Mutiny as revolt against authority in everyday life. Today, few in the U.S., are literally forced to serve in the military. Instead of conscripts, the state has a mercenary force made up of the poorest and most oppressed people of our country, people of color and the poor. 
These are folks who under other circumstances would be our sisters and brothers in arms against the state. Over a billion dollars each year is spent by the U.S. Armed Forces on slick commercials, school recruiting, and other forms of sophisticated manipulation to con the poorest and least educated of our population into sacrificing their freedoms and lives to enforce the imperial order. Since before World War II, the state has been sophisticated in using culture against us to control our lives. There is an inherent risk, as Rand and others have pointed out, in using large armed forces to keep control of the populace, namely giving weapons to possible mutineers and insurrectionists. Today, for those outside of the military, the bayonet of World War I for keeping soldiers in line has been replaced by the boss and union leader for keeping working people subdued. Still, mutiny lives in folks' resistance to compulsory work in the United States, even if such resistance is scattered or is boiling just beneath the surface. Yet the days of worker militancy are not necessarily stuck in the past. Instead of relying on modern lapdog unions, working folks have recently been fighting back. The workplace has been the crucible of a number of everyday mutinies, from wildcat strikes to expropriation of materials, sabotage, and even mass desertion, such as walkouts. When these acts are done in solidarity with other struggles, such as the longshoremen shutting down the docks of the entire West Coast during the anti-WTO protests, mutiny is, powerful, is a powerful weapon against capitalists and the state. Where else can mutiny take place? Our schools have a barely hidden agenda of indoctrination for the creation of good workers and more passive consumers. The military demotion has been replaced with the high school permanent record. Against the grain, students have been in various states of mutiny since at least the 1960s, when Berkeley High School students overthrew their teachers and turned three schools into autonomous zones. In 2002, more than 20,000 students from New York City, mostly black and Latino teens from the boroughs, deserted their high schools and middle schools to take the grievance, their grievances to the street. During the Second Gulf War, students all across Britain went on strike, militantly blocking roads and otherwise putting their elders to shame with their commitment to direct action and genuine autonomy. Today, thousands of underground newspapers and zines fill the halls and minds of the rebellious. It is only a matter of time before the next wave of mutiny challenges school systems across the world. The brig has been replaced by the criminal injustice system. The dream deferred that is America can be barely contained by these various prisons, both of the social and literal kind. Attica is just the most well-known of prison uprisings. There have been hundreds in recent memory. Everywhere in the gulags of America, prisoners are arming themselves with books, discussion circles, and passion to live free within a totalitarian environment. Prisoners have become more militant in the past years, organizing themselves into study circles and other mutual aid groups. In their miserable environment of prisons, there are still signs of resistance, as shown by the efforts of prisoners to create unions and to educate themselves. Make no mistake, lawful authority, even in its civilian disguises, is as repressive and dangerous as military authoritarianism. The mutiny has never ended. We should be willing to stand up to any authority that is willing to throw away our lives and passions in the name of imperialism. 
consumerism or patriotism when the never-ending Orwellian war on terror has military, militarized everyday life in the cities and suburbs, we can all be mutineers. People are already deserting their workplaces, schools, and malls in ever-growing numbers. When desertion is not an option, sabotage is a must. We can refuse the orders of political leaders and Wall Street corporate shills. Instead, Let's refocus our energy on creating new forms of communication, publishing even more passionate propaganda, and building more infrastructures and autonomous spaces. Whether we are working stiffs, students, the unemployed, or prisoners, we are experts on our own oppression. It is in our power to desert the stores that sell our lives cheap, sabotage the workplaces that enslave not only our bodies but also our minds, and frag the deadening dogma of our school systems. Take aim not only at NCOs, but CEOs, MBAs, FCCs, ADAs, and anyone else wishing to reg regiment your life. We must be brave enough to mutiny against the elite's lockstep cultural front, whether it comes in the form of MTV, Starbucks, or, quote, alternative fashion. In the past, mutineers were armed with their grenades, their bayonets, and their M16s. Today, we are armed with our desires, our intelligence, a pocket full of stones, and maybe more. Long live mutiny.